U.S. and Chinese officials clashed on Thursday at the opening of the first high-level in-person meeting under the Biden administration, which is unfolding in Alaska. In his opening statement, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken expressed strong concern over China's actions against Xinjiang, Hong Kong and Taiwan. In turn, China's top foreign affairs official Yang Jiechi accused Washington of meddling in China's internal affairs. Taiwan is set to become a point of contention as the two-day meeting gets underway. The high-level U.S.-China summit has only begun, but tensions are already high. We'll also discuss our deep concerns with actions by China, including in Xinjiang, Hong Kong, Taiwan, cyber attacks on the United States, economic coercion toward our allies. Each of these actions threaten the rules-based order that maintains global stability. Xinjiang, Xinjiang, Taiwan. Xinjiang, Tibet, and Taiwan are all inseparable parts of China's territory. We resolutely oppose U.S. interference in the internal affairs of China. Over the issue of Taiwan, they traded verbal jabs of equal measure. But a pan blue lawmaker says the U.S. could still say one thing and do another. It's fully possible that the U.S. and China will unite to sell out Taiwan. Another possibility is that in the end, the U.S. will revert to the three joint communiques and commit itself to the principle of one China. The best outcome would be for the U.S. to adopt an even harder stance of support for Taiwan. After Biden assumed office, his administration sent strategy reports to all of the relevant U.S. officials. It's repeatedly indicated that the U.S. commitment to Taiwan is solid. Before the meeting, the U.S. convened a briefing with us. After the meeting, it will brief us again. The importance the U.S. attaches to Taiwan's security and economy has never changed. The Premier and Foreign Affairs Minister emphasized that the U.S. support for Taiwan is firm. They said China's disregard for international order and its rampant expansionism have drawn global concern. China's conduct over the past few years has not only disturbed regional peace, but has also caused great worry in many democracies. Therefore, despite the regime change in the U.S., Washington is continuing to demand that China show some constraint. In its showdown with Beijing, Washington is expected to take a hardline stance, and Taiwan is set to be a point of focus. Officials confirmed six new cases of COVID in arrivals from foreign countries Friday. The new cases bring the nation's total to 1,004. Officials also say Taiwan's AstraZeneca vaccine rollout will start on Monday. Hospitals across Taiwan have already begun receiving the vaccine. Lenko's Chang'an Memorial Hospital has been allocated the most doses, enough to vaccinate 1,500 medical workers. At Taoyuan General Hospital, more than 300 people have signed up to get the jab. It received 40 vials on Friday, which will be enough to vaccinate 400 people. The Taiwan Palau travel bubble will be activated with its first flight on April 1st, and travel agencies are already rolling out itineraries. One provider is offering a five-day luxury tour priced at a cool 200,000 NT. Meanwhile, insurance companies are busy designing a policy for visitors to the Western Pacific Island nation. The government estimates that this travel bubble insurance policy will cost between 2,500 and 3,000 NT.
unspoiled islands, majestic waterfalls, Tiffany Blue Lake stunning up close and from afar. With the launch of the Taiwan Palau Travel Bubble, a vacation abroad is no longer the stuff of dreams. Travel agencies are seizing the moment. KK Day is planning tours at two price points, a four-day getaway at 60,000 NT and a luxury five-day experience at 200,000 NT. The scenic attractions in both are more or less the same due to COVID restrictions. But the luxury tour includes stays at five-star hotels, customized meals, PCR testing and travel insurance. Meanwhile, Lion Travel has unveiled Palau tours priced between 70 and 90,000 NT. The concept we're going for is individual travel. It informs everything from the seating arrangement on the flight to tourist pickup in Palau. Even with ship transport, we're not ruling out small group arrangements, like chartering boats to provide a customized service. For those using Taiwan's first tour corridor, travel insurance could be a wise investment. Those who test positive in Palau may need to return to Taiwan on a charter flight, which could cost 4 million NT. Travelers could also face fees for medical care overseas. The Insurance Bureau estimates that for a five-day tour, premiums will fall between 2,500 and 3,000 NT per person. There are at least 11 interested companies, insurance companies. By March 25th, a portion of these companies should be able to launch their products. Travel bubble insurance won't come cheap, but it'll likely still be in high demand. Details are expected before the first flight leaves April 1st. The central bank has tightened restrictions on mortgage loans to curb housing speculation. As of Friday, corporate buyers are limited to a loan-to-value ratio of 40 percent. People who already own more than three homes are capped at an LTV of 50 percent. For loans on land zoned for industrial use, borrowing is capped at 55 percent. This move is aimed at housing speculators, primarily those who flip pre-sale homes. After all, the base price of housing in central and southern Taiwan tends to be lower. A home might cost less than 10 million NT. You could even buy a home for several million. The main target of this policy is corporate buyers, that is to say, investment firms that buy and sell properties within a short period of time. This will have a very negative impact on real estate. It will reduce pre-sale volume by at least 30 percent. According to data from the Ministry of the Interior, more than 54 percent of non-real estate corporate buyers sell their properties within a single year of purchase. The tomb-sweeping day-long weekend is coming up, and as usual, there will be high-occupancy vehicle restrictions on freeways. To find out where you'll see restrictions, you can check online or keep an eye out for the signs placed around restricted sections. These HOV signs had a major makeover earlier this year. They're now more sparing on text, using instead graphics to give information to drivers at a glance. Driving on the freeway, every sign is gone in a blink of the eye. To make HOV rules clear at a glance, the Freeway Bureau has created a design that replaces text with graphics. When it comes to high occupancy restrictions, you can't be too concise if you want to provide all the information. In the past, we used text only. Two years ago, we reassessed this issue, and we asked whether using graphics would make them more readable. These graphics-based signs are placed upstream of the restriction site. 
They provide advance notice of the restrictions. 高速公路这样行驶，不见得会，对，我会看不清楚了。对对，我如果改成这样子会比较好。Drivers also say the signs are clear. To compare, the original signs are three lines of text. The new version has a red and white graphic of three people in a car. Black text below it stipulates the hours of enforcement, while a green section identifies the restricted area. The design, which offers information at a glance, has gone up ahead of the tomb-sweeping long holiday, during which HOV rules will apply. Along Freeway Number no. Five, HOV rules will apply from the first day of the long holiday. Starting April 2nd from 5 a.m. until noon, the rules will be in effect at the Nangong System Interchange going southbound. The rules will apply along the northbound section on the last two days of the holiday. On the 4th and the 5th, the four roads leading north out of Ilan will see the rules apply to northbound traffic. During the tomb-sweeping day-long holiday, HOV rules will take effect nationwide. The public is reminded to keep an eye out for signs to avoid costly fines. A wave of opportunistic name changing has been sparked by a promotion at a sushi chain rewarding customers named Salmon. Over March 17th and 18th, the chain offered free all-you-can-eat sushi to tables of up to six if there was a customer named Salmon in the party. More than 300 people across the nation changed their legal name to Salmon to take advantage of the offer, provoking amusement and concern. Meet the Salmons. In order to qualify for a free meal, these students all legally changed their names to Salmon. I quite like this name. I feel like it's brought me luck because I can eat for free. This is Salmon Tung, who went to eat with four friends. In just an hour, they motored through over 100 platters of free sushi. Others thought a step ahead and sold their free meals to earn some extra cash. I can eat for free as many times as I want, so I thought I would just fill up these two days with orders. Each person pays about 300 or 400 NT. That way, I could make almost 20,000 NT over two days. The Japanese sushi chain's promotional offer has given birth to hundreds of fish up and down the country. Over 300 names have been changed to salmon. Some think it's a waste of government officials' time. I do think it's a bit of a waste because maybe they change it to get this meal and then change it back again. We should respect our administrative resources. These name changes are not only consuming scheduled slots; they're creating unnecessary admin work. I think some are genuinely just trying to get a free lunch, but I think more than that, people find it amusing. It's a way to have fun with friends. You say, "Hey, look what I'm doing! This is hilarious." As for the sushi chain itself, it has certainly whipped up a storm of publicity. But media expert Dr. Chen Zilong thinks it was a misfired gimmick. The company didn't imagine real salmon's would turn up, but it provoked customers to take advantage. The name changes may not indicate loyalty or even friendship to the brand. Now that the salmon promotion has come to an end, household registration offices are starting to see people who want to change their names back. Meanwhile, one legislator says Taiwan should impose a cooling-off period for future name changes to deter frivolous renaming. This would mean that in the future, when people want to change their name, there would be a cooling-off period. 
for example, you come to apply and then you are asked to wait 15 days or maybe up to 30 days. After that, you come back to continue the application and then it takes effect. The suggestion raised by the legislator, to be honest, it is not a bad idea. It is true that names rise and fall with every new generation and that every individual has personal preferences when it comes to names. Now, the constitution does guarantee the right of the people to change their names. The Premier said everyone has the right to change their name, but that he is open to discussing the idea of a cooling-off period. He also called it an interesting phenomenon that Taiwanese are rushing to change their names for free sushi, while the rest of the world is grappling with the pandemic. Taiwan's temples are enjoying a surge in interest as Taiwanese look to the forgotten gems within their national border. Have you ever heard of Taiwan's Angkor Wat? A newly restored temple garden in Tainan earned the moniker for its astonishing timeless ambience. Meanwhile, a Kaohsiung temple has a story of generosity and mutual support that inspires the heart of every visitor. Stepping into the garden, you're greeted by mottled walls and Buddhas everywhere in relief. Surrounded by banyan trees, the caves full of stalactites just round off the otherworldly atmosphere. Some are comparing it to Cambodia's famous giant temple complex. It's a bit like Angkor Wat, really worth a trip. This is Wanfo Temple, hidden in Tainan's rural Nanshi district. Inside lies the little Patala practice garden. It was restored over 10 years ago, but was only recently opened to visitors. Once the temple guardians judged the new sculpture's brand new sheen had worn off enough. The garden has been restored to its original state. That sense of artificiality has worn away. The pandemic meant many people had nowhere to go, so it was the right time for us to open up. Meanwhile, in Kaohsiung's Tianliao district, all the walls are covered in stones and shells from floor to ceiling. Nicknamed the Stone Temple, this site has an amazing history. A business collapsed and the workers hadn't eaten for 10 days. They said they were all stealing guavas and other fruit. So I gave them food to eat and then they wanted to help us. After a business collapse left 500 migrant workers from Thailand homeless, Abbas Shi Tianhua fed and housed them for free. To thank her, they collected thousands of stones and shells to help construct a new temple building. Because we fed them, they were so kind in helping us stick the stones up. Inside the temple caves live many beautiful gods and goddesses, but the story of how the temple was made is even more inspiring. Snails might not be the number one food associated with Taiwan, but millions of tons of snails are in fact imported annually to be served in French restaurants. One type of snail is most prized for its pearly lustrous white color, the white jade land snail. In 2014, a Hualien native decided to return his hometown to cultivate the white jade snails. Six years of honing his methods have made him one of the most successful snail farmers in Taiwan. With its translucent pearly skin, the white jade land snail looks very different from your typical garden snail. This is the farm where expert snail cultivator Chen Shaokui raises his stock. Taiwan imports 2.6 million tons of tin snails every year. There is no stable year-round snail farming industry, except for small farmers like Chen, who saw a niche and rented this land in Fengling County, Hualien, to start his snail farm. 
I put down chaff because it helps more of them hatch when they lay their eggs. They try to lay them in the ground so they emerge into the soil. Sometimes they emerge above ground and the wind dries them out. If it's too dry, then they can't hatch. When it's all covered in chaff, many more of them can hatch. He plants creepers to give the snails cover on the ground, protecting them from birds. The snails can also eat the creepers. When I first started keeping snails, I planted sweet potato leaves. The farmers passing by would say, What are you growing there? Can I take a look? And I'd say, They're for the snails, not the potatoes. Chen prepares a special diet for the snails to help them grow well. Soy pulp is mostly protein. Rice bran is full of all kinds of trace elements and vitamins. They need certain nutrients as they're growing. The ground-up oyster shells are mostly for the snail's shells. If the shell can't grow, then its body won't grow. It won't get fatter. As a delicacy, white jade snails are soft like abalone and extremely nutritious. French cuisine is a niche market in Taiwan, but for farmers like Chen, it's all the niche they need.